Welcome to Fruiting Body Podcast with your host, Brendan. Today, we have another legend of a guest. It is Julia Gal Miller. She is Fight Nomad Julia on Instagram. And not only is she an Instagram, uh, well, we would fo focus more on an influencer. She's going to teach you how to, you know, make real. She doesn't want to talk too much about that right now, but I'll make it. Um, Julia's, I, I don't know how long, I think I've seen you around here for the past couple months. She's primarily working with gyms and, you know, doing that type of content to maybe build that audience. And I mean, she clearly has done it over 200,000 followers on Instagram. So we're going to figure out how the hell did she do it? Don't forget to like subscribe. This is the best podcast in Thailand. Um, I said so. So that's it. That's 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 the backing on that. We are a medicinal mushroom company located in the island of Phuket. Lion's mane, reishi, cordyceps. We got it all. Products coming out in January. Um, oh, if you're tired of listening to me, we got timestamps down here. You can skip ahead. You can find chapters of content that you want to actually watch. I mean, you want to listen to Julia. You don't want to listen to me ramble anymore. So without further ado, Julia. Gow. Okay. <laughs> Did I? This, so this is your first podcast. It is. Yeah. Awesome. It's been really fun observing. Awesome. You know what's fun? Behind the like scenes. popping the the <laughs> podcast cherries of people that come on. They're usually quite nervous because the lights. Are you nervous? Well, now that you say so, I feel. A little <laughs> and, and that's always what I say to them. Are you nervous? Like, wait a minute, maybe. Um, okay, we're we're gonna kick this off now. I, oh, I didn't explain you actually the format of Fruiting Body Podcast. It actually okay. makes things real simple. Um, our idea is we want to tell the journeys of connecting you to Thailand and the way we'll start and we'll keep it chronological, not like a Quentin Tarantino film. Uh, we won't jump around. We're going to bring you to that point in which brought you to Thailand. So we're going to start with the beginning of your journey. Who was Julia Gal Miller? Where did you grow up? What's your story? Oh my God. Oh no. Yeah. Right from Wait, the beginning. Wait, what do you mean? Like who was I before Thailand? No, from the, let's start like. You know, age five, Julia, where is she from? Where'd you grow up? Or you said at age three, oh. you moved from Beijing to, to U.S. Oh, so let's go to, let's go all the way to age three. Don't worry. We'll fast okay. track through some of the stuff. <laughs> I'll do that if it's getting boring. Or we have, do we have the Oscar like uh, award acceptance like, speech Like that's music? even more in depth than a date. <laughs> Being like age five. Where? <laughs> yeah, well, well, so, I mean, you're, you're half Chinese. You're half American. Yes. You grew up in Beijing. You said at the age of three, you moved over to the U.S., what happened? Are you able to share that part of the story of, of your, your life? Yeah. Um, so my mom is Chinese and my father is American. And so my mom actually moved when she was 30 over to the States. Um, the communist revolution had recently ended and they had only recently started allowing Chinese people to leave. And so she was one of the first people to like exit. She wanted to get an art degree in the States. And so... Um, yeah, my parents uh, actually had me in the States. and But we've always been, ever since I was little, we were back and forth to China. So it was kind of like one foot in two different cultures. Was your dad working in Beijing at the time? or uh, When we moved to Beijing, when I was 11 to around 14, yes, my father You're was just working. Just tilt the mic a bit that way. This Watch. way. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, okay. you're good. Yep. Cool. Okay, so yeah. uh, 11 to 14, sorry, he was working in Beijing. Yeah, that okay. was the time span that I was in Beijing okay. for. And then up till that point, every summer we went to China to visit the Chinese side of the family. So do you have the, the northern, like, idiot type of accent, like the Beijing like accent? My, my accents, well, mine would, oh, if I have one, it's more like... Oh, speak Chinese. Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, the accent. Okay, <laughs> Uh, your, but your accent's going to be much more, I honestly, it wasn't that Chinese is pretty much, I lived in China. I sell LED, I sell lighting, I guess. Um, your Chinese though, it would be more Beijing with like, we would say in the South, like EDN, which is uh, s small, little, oh, but yeah. you're going to say, EDR. see, there EDR. we go. That's, yeah. there we go. Chinese lesson for everyone up oh, in the I North. I don't even realize that. Yeah. EDR, uh, it's, you add this R, like for me, when I would get in the taxis in Beijing, like I couldn't understand them, but 
they could understand me. So like, I would just say things in like three different ways until you got that look in their eye. Like he knew what I was saying. Cause I, the accent was so, especially a taxi driver in Beijing. There's so many different accents Yeah, it's and you go to different, like I actually can't even understand relatives of my family. Their accent is so different. Mm. I just, I don't, I can't communicate. Yeah. Them. It's, it's, I was in, so I lived in Taiwan a year and then mm. Shenzhen. So the accent's quite, it's like Fujianhua for a Taiwanese, but it's, mm -hmm. th that's a def completely different language. Like I don't I, when I lived in Taiwan, I don't know a lick of Taiwanese. I mean, it's like, you know, Fujianhua, Shanghai, uh, uh, Guangdonghua. Oh yeah, that's that's yeah, my yeah. family members. Guangdonghua, I don't understand anything. It's actually quite similar. It's funny, Cantonese Guangdonghua is very similar to Thai. A little bit. And, and is it really? Yeah, I mean yeah, the, I no the numbers idea. are the same, like Gao Gao, like nine. Is it really? Yeah, same. Yeah. Anyways, we're boring people with <laughs> our Chinese <laughs> lesson. Um, so you're in China at age fourteen and you went back to the States. So you grew up in California the whole time? Uh, no. So I always say I'm from California, but we, we traveled around a lot as I stayed. I lived in California until I was 12. Then we moved to Beijing for a couple years. And then, uh, we moved, my mother and I moved back to an island in, uh, Washington state, like mm. bordering. It was, it's called like the, the killer whale island because, um, there's, it's known for killer whales that go and swim around it. And high school year was spent over there, LA. Mm -hmm. East Coast, and then Thailand. Mm, yeah, Washington. Yeah. That's where uh, my favorite movie, The Goonies. Do you know The Goonies? I haven't watched The Goonies. What? It's they're from Astoria. Astoria. That must be. W that's that's Washington State. Do you know Astoria? I do not know. Okay, it's somewhere. Astoria. I, that's the yeah. only place I know. So, <laughs> anyways, um, where where did you end up going to school? Did you stay in the states for university? Um, I went for one year in university. Uh, I was a game design major at the University of Southern California in the film school and uh, was there for one year and I dropped out and uh, then started a career as a software developer. Mm. And you continue doing that all in the U.S. What type of software, what companies were you working for at the time? This is, um, I guess this is a job interview, right? <laughs> okay, <laughs> switching from Chinese to... Yeah. Um, Tell us your three best uh, characteristic traits in the, in the workforce. And so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, You're doing software development. Now, was it ma major... Were you in Silicon Valley at this point? or No. So, when I was in... So, I started going really deep into software when I moved to the East Coast. And so when I was in California, I was still learning. I was still in learning mode. And so like trying to build up my resume, trying to code as much as possible, but um, not having any jobs. And so I was learning how to program for iPhone, which is I was learning how to program in Swift mm -hmm. for Xcode. And then um, I was learning for a year and then applied for an internship on the East Coast. And then from there on, I started interning for a software developer on the East Coast. Uh, we switched from Swift over to uh, web development. Mm -hmm. So it was front-end web development. So React, HT HTML5. JavaScript. No. no. Uh, well, yes, yes. There's HTML5, CSS. Uh, but it was mainly JavaScript, mm -hmm. front-end development software. I, I, I've built yeah. numerous. I can talk that language. We're good. You can't talk the yeah. um I've I've been building websites like since 2010 like it's way constantly evolving old, old yeah. WordPress days now yeah. I kind of just stick to WordPress and I have developers I know but I know how to at least you know deal yeah. with them in that it's sense. it's like actually these days for websites you don't even want to hard code websites you no. you prefer to use WordPress and all that like every all the site builders but um for for actual software mm. then that's when you'll be coding so like. When I say I'm a coder, often t at that time, it wasn't, it's not for building websites. That would be a WordPress developer. And as a JavaScript developer, um, the only jobs that were kind of like good for you is, n is working with a software company not to build people websites. It, it, you know, like yeah, every industry has on the like JavaScript side, you're working with companies that maybe they're making a plugging app that integrates into WordPress. Something it, yeah, there's so many different uses mm. for it. So then when I finally got like my f big job as like a JavaScript developer, it was actually for, yeah, it was a marketing agency. Mm. Um, so I, yeah, analyst developer for, yeah, 
learning how to. Is this kind of what connected <laughs> you and brought you into the social media world? Like that was your first taste? It was. So when I first started on social media, um, I was a big fan of Tim Ferriss. Okay. Um, I Four day work week or the, mo the unrealistic four day work week. <laughs> <laughs> I. And also, actually, funny enough, it's a small world. I was a really big, Paul Benaziak at that time mm. had a podcast called the Moy, with uh, uh, Sean Fagan. Yes. Called the Muay Thai Guys. Yep. And so I was a really big fan of Tim Ferriss. I was a really big fan of the Muay Thai Guys. I was like listening to them talking about their life in Thailand. And um, then I remember like consuming this one piece of content um, on Tim Ferriss and he was saying, oh, if you need a, if you want to personal brand yourself, the best way to personal brand is if you're not the best in one industry, because to be the best in one industry is extremely difficult to be like the Michael Jordan of basketball is like 1%, but to be like the top 10% in three different areas is a lot like um, it's, it's a lot easier to brand yourself and you're a lot more memorable, just not just the dentist, but like the dentist kickboxer or like something full stack development i think mm. that's like no so i was like oh i'll be the fight coder okay i was oh, like that's okay, very okay. memorable also i'm a girl so it's it's versus just the coder girl which is already like it, it was a sub it was a niche category that was memorable but um yeah i that was when i first started on social media was i was just like oh i'll brand myself this way and at that time, I had decided that I wanted to become a freelancer. And so I was just like, okay, well, in order to be a freelancer, you need to have people know about you. And so I will start creating content um, to brand myself. And also, I think a part of me always loved storytelling. Ever since I was little, my mom would always tell me stories. I, went, I originally wanted to become a writer when I was in 11 to 12. And then... Uh, when we went to, when I, I wanted to become a filmmaker, which is why I wanted to get to USC. Then I wanted to become a game designer. And it was all around the concept of telling stories. Mm. So uh, I think that's why I've continued creating content for so long, is I just still love the storytelling aspect of it. Mm. Were and you building like your portfolio and were you kind of going through like the, that Upwork channel and then doing freelancing through that? Or was it more like connections of friends and word of mouth? It was through Instagram. Okay. Uh, like a lot of my work came through like connections on Instagram. I would be like posting my stories, what I'd be doing. And then, yeah, it was um, a lot of work came through Instagram. What was your channel at that point in time? I'm assuming it's probably changed a bit. It or? was called Fight Code, Julia. Okay, there it is. <laughs> yeah, for the longest time. Yeah, and I got a, I got a quite some flack when I uh, shifted and moved away from but that. But the, the account's the same. You just changed the name? I changed the name. Okay. Yeah, because I felt like a fraud. Because after living in Thailand for a couple of years, um, the, the coding, it was just... I didn't love it enough. I, I went into coding... Um, wanting to be a game developer like wanting to tell stories and then code was an outlet it was like the method to do it but actual coding i didn't really love so then like getting jobs and just working in code all day i would just end the day feeling drained mm -hmm. um so i th i think my conclusion is why i shifted away from it is because it was just not it was a it was a channel but my real passion is storytelling mm -hmm. and and more on that content creation side where it's, you know, you have that creative ability. Now you have creativity as well in the coding side. Um, yeah, but let's yeah, a lot of creativity. To even step it back, uh, take one step back further, what was your initial, or how were you initially introduced to Muay Thai? Where's that connection from? The first time I got even interested in striking was when my, um, my sister-in-law took me to a cardio kickboxing class. And because prior to that, my family was very, uh, we're very bookish. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, uh, because we traveled so much and then my parents sent me to private schools, there was never any uh, athletic programs that were easily accessible. So even though like our family was quite athletic, I never got into sports when I was young. And it was only when I started um actually going off the path, deviating from the path, dropping out of university, and then being feeling completely lost that I started exploring what genuinely interested me. And then and then martial arts just grabbed me. And uh, it, yeah, it was, yeah, it's, you know, like when you find mm. something and then you... Uh, did you, where, were you in New York or the East Coast that side? Were you in the West Coast? When did you first like walk into a Muay Thai gym? It was in California. Okay. When it was a Muay Thai gym. Mm. Yeah. 
And this was from your, you said it was your sister's side, like introducing you to the cardio. Hey, come check this out. Were you immediately, were you hooked? Um, yeah, that's, let's just say like at that age, um, I was struggling a a lot with depression Mm. at that, during that time. And, um, my family was trying to help me taking like antidepressants and, uh, going to therapy and I just remember that after the and I, I was just very miserable for a very long time for years at a time and I remember after coming out of the Muay Thai class I was just like this is the first time that I feel happy in a long time like, and that's actually what had me coming back and it actually is one of the reasons why I still go to martial arts is for that reason yeah I mean any type of intense cardio or exercise the endorphin rush the endorphin rush i find that's why i train every morning uh i'll do it i'll do a hit class at eight and the rest of the day nothing can go wrong because you've just released so much energy could it maybe the fact like you're saying you're going to private school this isn't a therapy session either (laughs) Um, (laughs) say you say you're going to private school but but i mean you don't you didn't have that opportunity maybe in your childhood to release that energy and finally when you got there that's what you were missing it was so my theory is that um i was because i was feeling really low i was at that time i was also struggling a lot with self-esteem and i had a pretty big social anxiety as well and so Sometimes I I think what I needed at that point is I just needed to be around other people to realize that people are not like when you have socially anxious at that time, I was just afraid of people. And so it I think I also needed to just be around others. And then um, martial arts gave a uh, an environment where you can be around others. But the intention is not you're you're all focusing on the on the martial art, Mm -hmm. not on each other. So I, I. that I think that was what I needed. Was yeah, you get with these martial the arts, you get into deep water, right? I mean, it's like surfing. And when you're out in the ocean, like initially when you jump in, it's intimidating. But once you're in that deep water, your only option is to figure out how to deal with it at that point as well. And especially something like Muay Thai, were you initially just doing pad work or did you jump into the deep water and start sparring at it, you know, uh, early into that, that passion? It was... It was training, training up until you're finally ready to do sparring. Then, mm. yeah, gradually. Did you fight within the first year? I don't remember. God, it's such a long time ago. Mm. I think it was within the... F- I, I did know that I wanted to fight. Um, and uh, I think it was like at the end of the first year, after 12 months. Mm. Then, yeah, that was like the next step in the challenge. At which point did you, I mean, you're listening to Paul, the Muay Thai technician on his podcast, and I'm sure that's, you know, tickling your taste buds to, I want to go taste that. I want to see that. How did you make that connection to come over to Thailand? When did this idea even, you know, you know, when, when was it starting to become, you know, a, a reality? Um, I was at a crossroads in, um, in my life. I had just gotten an opportunity to work for this software agency that I thought was my dream software agency. I had been like eyeing them for a year and that was on the East coast. Um, and then, but then also I was listening to the podcast with Sean Fagan and Paul, and then they're talking about life in Thailand and you know, like how you can live and, and they're, and they're quite entrepreneurial people as well. And they're just like, yeah, this is like, there's a digital nomad community in Chiang Mai. Um, there's, the digital nomad life, that that is also an option. So I, I remember at that time I was at a crossroads. I had just gotten this opportunity to interview for like the software agency of my, of Your had dreams. been my dreams, yeah. yeah. And um, I remember I visited the office because they're like, oh, come take a tour, come take a look around, um, you know, s- get to meet the people, and. I remember going there and looking around, seeing the people. Everyone was so nice. But then I was imagining myself, you know, for there a couple of years, every single day going to the same place. And the moment after I visited, I was like, actually, I was like, this is not my dream. I don't want this. And then I dropped everything. And I was like, I'm going to move to Thailand and figure it out. This th- That's actually what I want. <laughs> and yeah, it was at Spawn. It was in that moment. I think it was... Um, on New Year, 
What I, year? What year would have that have been? I think it was 2018 on to 2019 because I remember like I was on the plane when it switched to the new year. What was your plan? You're on this plane. You're coming to Thailand. Where are you landing? How are you getting set up? And you know what are you going to do for work? It it was actually really cool. So I had eventually because I was creating content for about eight months at that time. I built like a little personal brand for myself. I think I was up to like 10,000 followers at that time. And um, at that time I fell onto uh, Sean Fagan's radar. And I, I think prior to that, I actually, I, I had traveled on a trip on a retreat with Paul for like 10 days. And I actually visited Thailand mm. uh, briefly. And so um, then Sean Fagan introduced me to a Muay Thai gym in, in Thailand. And, um, and through the introductions, I was like, I arranged to be the gym's social media manager. Which so gym? Which location? Diamond Muay Thai in Kopangan. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So for the first year, um, I was, yeah, I, I, it wasn't paying, but it was like accommodation, food, and training. And it was like, that was the dream come true at that time. It was, yeah, it was, it was so cool. And it was totally a different deviation from, from path that I was going to go on for people that are probably listening they're going to have that question okay mm -hmm. that Muay Thai lifestyle you can come you can train for free you have accommodation for free but for free yeah. but there's still the lifestyle of like eating motorbike there's there's an expense and a cost how did yeah. you manage that did you have savings did you pick up side gigs in which you were doing Re your social media freelancer. freelancer as a freelancer at that time I was trying to be continue to be a software developer and in my head I was just like I can balance it all like I can do everything um, obviously execution never matches reality. So I, for a year I was trying to like earn money through gigs online and then, um, and, um, but then also like managing the social media for the gyms and stuff and training and, and training. And also because no, when I came, I was in my maybe 20, I think. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was, definitely still figuring things out. I was still struggling a lot with mental health and um, a lot of the, yeah, I, there's a lot of aspects of me that were still very naive. And even now I'm still naive and, but uh, even more naive before. And um, so it, it's not just been, yeah, it's been like a personal growth journey as well. Like literally learning how to grow up mm -hmm. in a completely, because all of a sudden you're completely removed. There's, you know, there's no, your family is gone. And you're just, you just have to rely on yourself and your own intuition. And it's been not just, yeah, it's been a personal, like, l just learning how to be an adult. And yeah, and especially learning in a, in a country like Thailand, at least this place here, cost of living is cheap. Uh, you get this, like, s you know, this community away from home as well. Mm -hmm. And when you're, you're in a place like Copenhagen, um, there's a lot of support people that have probably been there longer than you that have gone through that. And they, you know, they've kind of, tra they, they were the trailblazers, the pioneers, and you can find some direction. Is that your situation as well that you could relate to? Uh, like just looking part? for that support side on, let's say just the digital media, the, these digital nomads that you might have questions of, you know, how can I, I don't know, simple things. How can I rent the motorbike? How should I deal with my landlord? Maybe outside the job and the workforce. Did you have your own community in Copenhagen as well? Yeah, well, that's what I love about martial arts is that you, wherever you travel, you can immediately connect with people and have like a mutual passion. And so since living in Thailand the past five years, I'm constantly like traveling around to different locations. And it, it's so cool because it's like immediately you can connect with it, like a, a community in the Muay Thai community. And then outside of that, in Chiang Mai, there's co-working spaces where you can connect with people working online. Yeah, they built one over at Boat Avenue and they're building something as well by there. It's called HOMA, H-O-M-A. I heard about that. Yeah, that's that won't be. Till Are you going to check it out? It won't be till next year, okay. I think. But me, I'm like, I can't work in co-working spaces because I need like four screens I need, <laughs> I need like, I, I don't know. I, I've never understood co-working spaces. Like once you go to like two or three screens and then four, like I can't even go on the road. Like I'll be on my laptop and be like, I can't deal with this shit now. Like it's just so, it's yeah. so hard. I can't that was my it. struggle also when I was like a developer was because like I, w when you're a web developer, you have to have multiple screens. And then like in my head, I was imagining 
like, you know, on the beach, like, you know, working like on my laptop, execution is horrible. Like coding from one screen is horrible. And that was another reason why like I shifted away from it is like, once again, reality does not match your expectations. Well, I've seen, I was with uh, uh, like my boss a couple weeks ago uh-huh. and we sat down and he was at Peppers and he's like, oh, I'm going to do work. And he, he pulled up, I haven't seen these laptops yet, but he pulled up his laptop mm-hmm. and it comes with an extension screen that goes on a thing. And he pulled out a keyboard and he's got dual screen in, in the, in the, would the you restaurant. do that? No, because I, I like working at home. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just like the bathrooms there, the kitchens there, you know, I can do things, get done while I'm working. If you want to take a 10 minute break to, you know, go take out the laundry. I just like how everything's in my bubble here. Nice. Um, yeah. I can't do that from a co-working space. And I do like the distractions sometimes. I feel like when you go to the co-working space, you I would just be there to work. And you're like, okay, I'm here for three hours. Well, maybe I don't want to work and stare at this thing for three hours. I want to mm. get up. I want to do that. So that ju- it doesn't work for me. Mm. Um so you got there in 2018, 2019 in Copenhagen? I think so. <laughs> and as the, we'll call it, we won't use the C word because YouTube doesn't like it and they might ban us on the algorithm. It just helps when we don't use that. We'll call it the current situation or the, sit- uh, or the past, the past situation. When the past situation hit, were you in Copenhagen? Can you talk about that experience without using any <laughs> na- naughty words that YouTube doesn't like? Okay. Oh, that was really interesting. It's like, okay, and tell your sentence without using the letter E as well. <laughs> <laughs> I was in Samui during that time, and um, lockdown was. I, I I think everything is relative compared with a lot of different countries. It was a lot less, but it was still jarring because I think nobody, none of us had ever experienced that. So being so isolated for so long uh, wasn't challenge. Mm. Yeah, and you're able to keep the work going did, did was there a, a, a dramatic oh. drop off actually i worked non-stop oh wow yeah um but actually it became a little unhealthy because there's nothing else to do so mm-hmm. i only worked and um yeah i didn't yeah i uh, yeah I, none of the gyms were open right yeah yeah here as well like all the gyms had to close yeah i went because there were moments in thailand where you, things would open up and you can travel a little bit and the, the time that I spent in Copenhagen during COVID was actually quite nice, um, relative. I think any everyone can share that experience. Like Phuket, wherever you were in Thailand during that lockdown, it was, it's, it, there, well, there's no people. I mean, you can't, it was, the beaches were pristine. And yeah, yeah, exactly. Like nature, like, regrew. Right. And, you're like, and oh, we'll never see that again in our lifetime. Yeah. I, well, let's hope not. It became like a, it became like a small little like island community, and oh, and actually there's a lot of uh, digital nomads in Copenhagen during that time because all, all the people who were on vacation couldn't stay, like they would like have to go back home. Yeah. So it was actually, it was a very interesting time. It became like a small family in a way. Everyone knew each other, and everyone's out hiking. Like it was like the most nature that all of us got. Well, into. It, it was interesting because now when you go out, it's hard to distinct who's the tourist and who's. Oh, it's the pretty a- easy to tell. <laughs> <laughs> we, we okay yes i mean if they have a white shirt i mean I'm, i have a do you think in russia they just everyone gets this white flannel like linen shirt at the know. airport they're like oh you're going to thailand yeah here's your white linen shirt and get on a motorbike no but i mean yeah you can tell these tourists and usually the ones that have like the the rental helmets on but uh still i when things were locked down it's like nobody was a tourist therefore you know, the people that you would meet, you know, they're going to be there for a while and you can have those relationships. It's hard living in Thailand and, and growing relations with relationships with people that may, especially at a gym that, you know, are probably leaving in a week. But I think that's, what's so cool about social media though, actually is because these days it's like people are leaving a week, but if you want to, you can continue building the relationship online if that is something that you want to pursue, if they are also active online. Some people, if they're not active online, then you can't. But um, in some experiences, I have, like, friendships that have grown after, you know, just, like, interacting with each other's content and relating. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I always think it's so cool. Like, I think it's so cool to meet people from all over the world. I'm actually really happy like mm. whenever people are coming from all over because if i resonate with that person and and they're active on social media i can continue like following their story and their journey wherever they go and then when you meet up the again world. that relationship is even stronger now 
it sometimes yeah sometimes yeah but it's like now these days that's what i like about instagram is like you don't have to lose the relationship if you don't want to um, you can continue building on it if you choose so. And when now you're going around gym to gym, now are, you, are you helping them create this content? Is that kind of are they bringing you in? Like for example, now you're mm. over at Revolution. Yeah. Can you talk about what is your relationship with them and how does that work? Whether it's on the personal or the business side, whatever you can share. Yeah, it's. Um, I think the insight that because I think these past five years living in Thailand, it's also been me figuring out how I want like my work to look how and what I've realized is that the most fulfilling kind of work is working with people that you love where they're doing you know like you love their business and I'm very good at creating social media content and I love I, I just love working with people with where I love what they're doing like Muay Thai gyms I I love it and Tim he has like a really good culture at his gym and whenever, usually when I come to Phuket, is it like a week at a time? And whenever I come, there's there's always like some something fun that's going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, so usually how it works is I, I develop these kind of like long-term relationships with different gym owners. We have like a working collaboration. Sometimes it's uh, paid. Sometimes it's in exchange for accommodation. And um, yeah, I create social media content with them. I promote them while I'm here. So you are you reaching? Would you reach out to these gyms and say, "Hey, this is my, uh, this is what I'm doing for other gyms. This is what I can do for you. Are you interested to have that conversation?" Yeah, yeah. And usually, actually, because what's cool about Instagram is like after a while, it your your own content just takes a life of its own. Uh, it's virality. So a lot of times, people already know of me um, because I've just focused on one niche. Usually, a lot of people who are in the Muay Thai niche. They already know who I am at this point. And they're like, oh, you're, you're, the, you're on Instagram. <laughs> so, and again, you're helping these gyms grow and grow followers, which in turn, you know, brings more eyes, more views, more impressions. Yeah, well, because so how social media works is um, people will relate to you. The people who are similar to you will relate to you. So I, I think I bring a feminine quality, like aspect that a lot of Muay Thai gyms are looking for, like, uh, I show women that, you know, it's a, is like the, the gyms that I go to, I, I can show them that it's like a safe environment for them to go because I'm, I'm there and I'm enjoying my time there. Um, so I, I think it's good representation that also is beneficial. Do a lot of women, maybe wherever they're coming from in the world and they want to come to Thailand and train Muay Thai, is that like a, a top concern for them? Uh, like it, of the safety of themselves and surrounded by a, pretty much a male dominant, you know, community. Is that something they question? Yeah. Or? Yeah. I, I think, yeah, it's very important. Yeah. For, for me personally, like my criteria for picking gyms is, are there women training there? Um, personally? Yeah. That's, that's, mm-hmm. that's how I decide. Yeah. To make sure you're not just the black swan running around there. Because it can, there, yeah, it, it all depends on the gym environment. If you're the only girl there and it's in a foreign country and Thai culture is also different mm-hmm. than, and you don't know the culture of the gym, you don't know if it's like kind of like a macho gym where you might not feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Because there are lots, there are also gyms like that that exist that where you're not, you're, you know, you're not treated. It's, it's like, um, yeah, you don't. Yeah, like well, treated. it's it's. I mean, if you're the only girl, at, like, have you had that experience? Like, again, a lot of the guys coming and going, these Muay Thai fighters, they're here for maybe a month as well. I'm I'm sure a lot a lot are here long term, and others are here for a month. Mm-hmm. And being the only female in the class, you might have like 15 males like eyeing you down for a vacation ship, which is th- does have you had to experience with that? And and is it something like that you pass to your audience like? Don't worry, these gyms are safe. It is more like a brotherhood, more like a community. Mm-hmm. So you don't need to worry about that. Um, usually, if you're, yeah, you're going to be the only, f- if you're a woman in a gym, you, you can't even like blame guys for acting like that. Right. And so that's why you, I personally, I would avoid it if I'm going to be the only girl because uh, you can't even, like, imagine if there's like 10 girls and then one guy comes, you're like, hey, like, it's, yeah. you can't. 
blame yeah, either it's, gender. It's, it's going to go either way. But it, it, yeah. again, if you're the only girl, it, there's a certain level. You're there to train. Mm-hmm. You're there for the vacation. You're there to learn. Maybe mm-hmm. you're doing your, your work as well. And if you're the only girl there and there's 20 guys, you might have to turn down 20 guys a day. It would be a bit annoying. It depends. So everyone has different perspectives. There are some women who they actually, it, it really depends how you take it. So some women, they grow a lot by being around male fighters because then it's like they're sparring men every single day and they get really, really tough. And if that's if that's what you're ready to do and then, you know, you know how to set your boundaries and you're just like, you know, I'm here to grind, you can grow a lot as a fighter. Uh, or, but if you're there just to have like a good time, like a good experience, um, you feel a little uncomfortable in this and you don't like being approached and you don't, then, yeah, it, it all depends what your intentions are. Do When you go to those gyms, do you find, like, maybe, like, uh, a male friend that can kind of, like, vouch for you, like, tell the other guys to fuck off a little bit? Like, is is that, like, kind no. of, like... Well, it's like a community, yeah, honestly. I know, I know, I yeah. noticed, that, like, the Muay Thai community, a lot, and a lot of it... Everyone yeah. knows each other, and I think that's what's so powerful mm-hmm. about Instagram is, like, and at this point, when I go somewhere, usually people know who I am or like very fast they know and so and when this is the thing is like it becomes like a community and when is a community it's safe because everyone knows each other no one's going to try anything because you're like oh that's my friend's friend Mm -hmm. and um but yeah so like I the more people I know the safer I feel just a quick shout out to uh five star marine five star marine's been helping uh support this podcast they're basically just kind of uh, covering our bills so we can operate, and I'm not out of pocket every other month. But go check them out. They are a uh, it, it's like a VIP uh, speedboat tour company on the island of Phuket. Um, they're doing some great stuff. If you don't want to deal, you know, with the typical salesmen selling you speedboats and taking you to where you don't want to go, these guys are the ones that are going to give you that private tour. So links in the description. Check that out. Um, Next, I kind of want to jump into like the catalyst of like what really explain exploded your account. I mean, you're over two hundred thousand people now on Instagram, and anyone that's maybe getting into this business, they maybe they want to know the tips and tricks. And sometimes it could be a one-off thing that just rocketed it. You yeah. said back in 2018, you're sitting around uh, ten thousand. Well, you're talking yeah. that's a twenty-fold. Can you remember specifically what really rocketed yep. you and launched you up? Yep. Yeah. Let's go. Very fast answer, yes. <laughs> Literally in the past, in two, mm, in one month, I rose by 200,000 followers. How? Was it a post? Or? It's one post. Mm. One single post. How many? V- it would have got 50 million, though. It got, it, now it's around like 330,000 likes. Oh, that? Yeah. But views, uh, you're talking, it's got to be 50 million? I don't know. Yeah. I would uh, think so. Yeah, I haven't looked. Um, but yeah, it was basically, um, it was me getting ready for a fight and um yeah historically i always get really nervous so i think what the algorithm picked it up because it was already performing really well it was um it was it plays to a song about like a woman putting her armor on and then showing how strong she is and then i remember when i found that song i was like oh my god this is perfect for this video <laughs> and posted it and um i think it because when i did post it uh it resonated with uh, a lot of woman fighters because um some some female of my female fighter friends said that they they cried when they saw that because um it 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 touched a nerve with them because uh, i think a lot of content on social media is a fighter's victorious like being badass and um you know like is badass moments that's usually what you think when you think of fighting and then this was a different type of content where it was i was terrified i was like (laughs) and then um we're putting uh i think we were doing the prayer before the mong kong and then putting the mouth guard in and then the trainer was trying to get me to breathe because i was hyperventilating and he's like breathe okay let's do this and then just like start Mm. and um and i think there's not a lot of content out there showing um fighters like you know, summoning the courage mm-hmm. up to fight, which is a, a big reason for why I fight is is that is the courage factor. It's not about being badass. Like I, I'm terrified the whole time. Um, so, but I think most fighters going in. I mean, I fought in high school. <laughs> I was a hockey player. I was a lunatic. But fight I definitely in the never. Game? I never won. I definitely never won. But I think everybody that gets into a fight 
you have to go in with the fear. You can't go in like you got to have a little bit of fear in the I back of your mind. I had such an interesting conversation with a a fighter girlfriend, and she was like, "Damn, this one time that I didn't have fear, everything hurt because there's no adrenaline." Because she's just like, "Oh, I you know I wasn't nervous going to the fight. Every single strike hurt me so much mm-hmm. <laughs> because I didn't have the adrenaline and the fear going." So fear is actually kind of good. It helps. Yeah. It's- I think it's gonna no. it's fight it's that fight or flight and there is no flight in a fight. Oh, you can you can decide to. <laughs> well, I'm sure some fighter. I mean, you've seen them in the UFC sometimes. At least in MMA, you have a good out. Like you have a you, good out. Well, your out is pretty simple. You get knocked. You go to the ground. The, the guy's either gonna jump on you and you can cover up and the ref will break it up. Yeah, Muay Thai as well. But, well, they'll stand your ass back up too, uh-huh. right? Or or a lot of the guys, what they do in the UFC specifically is they get taken down and they kind of like protect and then they slowly give the neck so that... Do, do they really? Yeah, yeah. Really? Uh, Glover Teixeira, Jan Blahovich, that, uh, that Jan fight, it looked like you get hit a couple times and maybe you're just not in it that day, mm. but you can you can go out without getting knocked out they can put you the submission you can tap and because you don't you know black out you don't have like a 6 month you know delay in the UFC these these fi- these promotions There's strategy behind if you get it. knocked out like you're done for 6 months and maybe okay, you want to so yeah if yeah. that's your career then you're strategic yeah, exactly okay um jumping back to that 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 post and that was your mo- your is your motivation for getting into muay thai it's it's the courage is this kind of what is that the adrenaline you're chasing it's or is that something that you're trying to prove no, um, I I really love the the traditional philosophy of martial arts. Like you know, when you hear about martial arts, it's like the the practice is like learning how to better yourself. And by getting better at martial arts, you're also getting better at d- other aspects of life. You're learning how to control your emotions. You're learning how to do difficult things. You're uh, learning how to have discipline. That's um, why I fight is because it's one of the things that creates the most fear in me. And every time that I face that fear, I feel like I grow as a person. Um, and it's the best way to learn to get better at Muay Thai. Um, yeah, it, it's, I feel s- very proud of myself every time I step in the ring because I feel so much fear. Yeah, and, and I mean, just kind of spitballing. I, I never yeah. thought of it in this way where actually uh hundreds of years ago like most people had to enroll in the army and 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 even to today the the army and whatnot this is going to create discipline but maybe like martial arts are like an outlet where you can create that you know patience determination discipline without having to go to the army and and i find anyone that you meet that have gone down that path i mean you wake up in the morning you make your bed there's certain routines and rituals a lot of that is very well connected to martial arts yeah, I a lot of the women that I admire the most, like the people that you see succeeding in martial arts or succeeding in fighting, it's also because they've developed really good discipline in their life. Mm-hmm. And um, and if you choose to, yeah, if you choose to have that carry over into other aspects of your life, then yeah, it becomes like Zen and martial arts. And when these w- women, when they reach out to you, and especially after this post that went viral, um, and you had to communicate and get, what was some of the like uh, feedback you were getting? Um, feedback for the well for that specific post, I, I think people resonated with the post a lot because, like I told you, a lot of the content out there is just people being victorious. But it's not. There's not a lot of content of people showing their fear. Mm-hmm. But I, I just, I love telling that aspect of the story. Like, I actually don't, I never, th- I've fought and won 12 out of my 14 fights at this point. And I, every time I win, I never, I don't, I, I don't get that excited. I'm just like, ooh, glad it's done. Like, whew. <sighs> um, but, yeah, I enjoy the facing the fear. That's what I enjoy the most out of fighting and I think that's the story that I want to tell it's not about like the accolades or anything it's about doing something that scares your socks off and and overcoming it and and also like doing something where you're doubting yourself the whole time you're just like am I enough like I don't know like uh." and you're you're, you have all that internal doubt but you do it anyways and then you come out on the other end and even if you fail then how do you manage that failure too is that it's not just about winning it's about okay if if you lose, 
can you handle it gracefully? You know, will you just give up on fighting or will you keep moving forwards? Um, yeah. Will this represent your branding and maybe this video was the catalyst to be like, okay, that is my branding. I'm showing the courageous side instead of, you know, the hard nose assassin that's going to come out, you know, no, break. not so at all. Yeah. When, when you, when, when did you realize that that is your voice to I represent your content? I think, it, it, yeah, because I don't even think about it so much as branding at this point. Now it's just like, what do what is my truth? And th and it's not the truth. It's my truth. And then what do I want to share? What is like my perspective that I want to share? And for me today, like, you know, you asked me a year ago, maybe it was different. But today, what I want to share is that... Um, Muay Thai doesn't because oftentimes like there's this stereotype of like uh, a woman fighter you're like oh she must be masculine she must look like a man and but having lived in the Muay Thai world in Thailand for so long what I've observed is there's so m it's it's so beautiful and there's so many like beautiful artistic it just like dancing it's like it Muay Thai becomes a form of self-expression martial arts is a form of self-expression and fighting can actually it can be like um, if your style, if you if you're a woman and you have a masculine style, then that's you expressing your you know like yourself. And if someone is feminine, then is them expressing their essence, mm. too. And there's so many beautiful female fighters who just like I, I love observing people develop their style. And mm. yeah. who do you look up to when you're trying to you know find creative inspiration on the Muay on the female Muay Thai side? There's so many. There's so many really good female fighters out there there um like a lot of them are my good friends who i've trained alongside and then i see their work ethic i see how hard they work and it's inspiring there's so many gyms so, so right now um phuket fight club and hong tong muay thai have a lot of really really good female fighters there who have amazing work ethic who've developed their styles and uh yeah currently there's so i can't name all of them there's yeah, so yeah. many fighters in those yeah, two gyms uh, clayton he's the owner of phuket fight club brazilian he was on the podcast before do you oh nice do you know clayton or? i don't know him oh, personally yeah, yeah, no yeah he was on yeah he, he's uh yeah he's a really cool guy as well there is there's a, a couple famous fighters big brazilians as well but there's mm -hmm. one girl that's fighting do you know stamp fairtex yeah yeah she's fighting a girl that used to train a french girl a French girl. Anissa uh, or something. Mexican? Yes. Yes. Oh, she, is she fighting Anissa Mexican? Yeah. yeah. That's oh. like uh, next month or the month after. But Anissa used to train at Phuket Fight Club. I think she's back. I don't think she's in Thailand right now, actually. She, I, from what I know, I think she has her own coach that she's been working with for a yeah. very, very long time. And that's she has over like 100 plus plus that's a That's a tough fight for Stamp. And they're both they like. Might, someone said it was going to be like. Part MMA, part Muay Thai. Well, they're both Muay, Muay Thai fighters, anyways. No, you know, like the um, Rotang yeah, versus, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, one round. Uh, yeah. Demetrius jo Johnson, where they changed the. Yeah. Round, which doesn't make any sense because it's like, okay, well, now it's grappling. Well, someone Dimitri said that to give, like, Stamp a little bit more of an advantage. That would probably give her, I don't know. Who knows? I have no That's idea the either. Insight. Have, you, yeah. have you met the, uh, I guess they're sisters, Stamp and Nat, right? No, uh, uh, Supergirl and Nat are sisters. Uh, okay, so it's. Oh, and no. Stamp is not related. I thought no. Su I think it's Supergirl or, or Supergirl is fighting uh, Anissa. I, think. I don't think so. Okay, maybe I I, I, we're gonna have to fact check that. <laughs> Let us know in the comments how stupid I sound. <laughs> right? We'll check that out. We'll have to check that out. But I saw Nats down here. She's over at uh, Southside MMA with Ty Emery. She's over there. So cool. Um, oh, yeah. Ty Emery's at Southside also. Yeah, she's oh, over there. So cool. But Ty lives up here, so she's got to commute, and uh, it's far. You're, it's like... Oh, they're it's down from here to all the way down to Rwanda. Yeah, Ty's up in this area, oh, but God, she's yeah. going down. She told me it's like an hour and a half some days. Oh, jeez. That's yeah, pretty crazy. No, We're, just for training? Just for training. I've seen her oh, some days. Wow. We'll go... Well, she's been on a couple times. She has a fight, I think, next... She's doing bare knuckle, I think, next weekend. Why doesn't she train at Bantau if she? She, I think she has a, re a, a like a, a relationship with them down there because ah. she was at Powerhouse, she was at Tiger, uh, now she's at this this uh, Southside MMA. I see her at Bangtao on Saturday mornings doing the hit class. That's a cool nice. class. Cool. Um, but she's yeah, she's ready to go. I think she has another fight. I'm not sure where it is though because last time she had to flash and um now okay that's an interesting question. 
When you see okay. a female fighter doing that, uh -huh. and it's maybe, it's definitely the complete opposite of what you're doing, how do you uh -huh. respond to that? Or is it like, hey, she's doing her thing, let her no, do it? No, I think it's awesome, though. Okay. No, because everything is self-expression. It's like, I'm not like, oh, is that's if that is who you inherently are and you're just like expressing your personality i think that's fucking awesome mm. and yeah i have my own personality that i express in my way but i always like i admire people who are not afraid to just be who they are mm. authentically themselves like don't try to be anybody else be yourself it's awesome yeah i guess in muay thai you can't really hide your true colors they just have to come out <laughs> but why should you hide yeah. though yeah. i think it's i think like just like martial arts is self-expression and uh, i and i think what personal branding should be self-expression like mm. i i think that should be the ultimate goal is tr try to get your personal brand online as in line as your real life per like uh, as in line as who you are in reality and that can change as you grow I, I, mm -hmm. like it doesn't it may be what you Absolutely. are today it can be different when you're 30 what's your long-term goal you're here in thailand yeah i mean you're working with these different gyms do you plan to be here for the rest of your life oh that's you know i was actually thinking yeah i was like what is my purpose <laughs> no not purpose but i mean you know those uh -huh. next um uh, thinking about the next step i mean personally i'm not going anywhere mm -hmm. you can close this bridge down and i'm happy <laughs> right on cern beach don't uh, care oh really i will live no here way. till i die i'm oh. good with it gone i'm 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 comfortable i've been to every country in southeast asia nice i will go to europe when i i'm older and it's you know europe's easy to travel asia's hard to travel but for yourself you're still young i mean you have that ability to um bali's up and coming with these gyms i mean mm -hmm. you got mexico you got yeah. europe where, do you see something where you would transition to another country continent? I'm literally, I'm going to move uh, mid in eight days to the UK. Oh, you said you're leaving tomorrow, no? Yeah, I'm leaving to Copangan tomorrow. Okay. And then, yeah, in mid, like in a week, basically, or like 10 days, I'm going to go to the UK. And then from there, be there for a month and then go to the US for, yeah, for a, a gig thing. Yeah. That's and continue doing kind of what you're doing now, this um, type of... We'll see because like, I, I think my long-term vision is I being young, I still definitely want to travel. It is when my vision was to come to Thailand was to continue traveling and learning martial arts from different countries around the world. And that is what still calls to me and what still excites me mm. is I think that's going to be the next challenge is actually going to different countries and then learning different martial arts from there. But at the same time now, like, now I don't consider the States my home anymore. I consider Thailand right. my home. I, I love it. And I know that if it, it doesn't work out, if I go to a different country and I'm like, actually, this is shit. I way prefer the Muay Thai in Thailand. It's way much funner. It's way funner. Then I always know that Thailand is there. And yeah, I love it here. But yeah, it's I think it's time to start exploring. Would which you, we were yeah. talking about that. Will, will eventually, is that on the radar where you will make your day, way down to Tulum? And, uh, and I forget the name of there. It's called... Tulum Muay Thai or, I, or I think so. something along like so Eddie's yeah. there Brooks there uh, Magnus Anderson's training there as well yeah. would you give that a shot is that on your radar at all I, I, I would love to I mm. haven't reached out to them yet but um, I, I was thinking I was going to be in California anyways and I'm going to be in the UK I haven't made any plans yet but you know if everything worked out visiting all of like the cool martial arts gyms um, in in all the different countries is yeah, is dream come true. Yeah, Mexico. I have some friends living there as well that have lived in Thailand. And like learning boxing in Mexico, for example. Ah, yeah. I guess oh, that's that's pretty much the heart. Uh, Cuban boxing, Mexican boxing. I don't know anything about it. But yeah, you see like all the best. Canelo, yeah. Yeah, like, uh, you know, like learning the, the most popular martial art in that country. Mm. And or maybe like maybe in one country, it might not be a martial art. Maybe it's like a it's a dance or something. Mm. But Cap capoeira. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, I still want it. I still want to like something that you can fight with too, mm. and then be, and then you can be more unexpected, unpredictable in fighting. Would you get into BJJ and mixed martial arts? Is that something on I the like radar? grappling? Mm. I don't like having the gi because when it, if you're traveling all the time, having a gi around is yeah, I've I've tried and it's not. I I want everything to be able to fit in a backpack. I yeah, I mean, at least with your your dry your dry gear, it's easy to toss in there. Yeah, that's well, no gi. Yeah, no gi, yeah, that's that's easy. Yeah, yeah. I did it for a couple of years and it was just. Uh, 
couldn't take it. I always kept getting injured. That was the problem. With no gi? Or with no gi. Just like yeah. little things like your knee, you do something, the next uh, day you show up, you're like, oh, what the fuck? Or yeah. your shoulders, joints, things like that. Fingers, always like something would happen. I mean, it's it's pretty intense. I find Muay Thai, when you're, if you're light sparring or doing pad work, the worst kind of pain is I always, I've always had problems with the trainers, the sometimes the Thai trainers where they want to meet you like when you're not fully extended. And mm, I had that talk with, they jam you. And then like the next day, my elbow is in so much pain. I talked to mm. Paul about that as well. He's like, yes, because they want to hear the loud smack, right? Yeah. And, like, and I'll stop them. I'll be like, no, let me meet me here. But they'll meet you here. And yeah. then like the next day, the pain in the elbow, oh, it's, it's rude. Or even oh. right in the wrist. Oh, so yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but I don't like trainers that slam too much. Yeah. Yeah. The trainers are like, oh, you're jamming me. <laughs> right. And you want to train three, four days a week. So it's. Yeah. It's the same with the elbows, too. Like when they make me throw elbows, I'm like, this isn't realistic. Mm. Like, I, you know, you have to like go forward and over to. <laughs> are you, are you. What type of style are you using in, in the ring? Now, you recently had a fight mm -hmm. you won. You said you are a bit bigger at that time. But it was yeah. a last-minute type of fight, right? It, I, I mean, Thailand's very common to just be like, you want to fight? Okay, uh, in three days, go. Or, no, in like in a week. Yeah, yeah, that's very common. Yeah, I mean, especially with the Thai fighters, they'll say they have 100-plus fights. But a lot of those guys, they're all kind of friends with each other. And they're fighting in Bangla or Patong Stadium and... And because they they get paid, like, and you watch them, you can go down. It'll be two Thai guys. There are levels to the game, right? For sure. They're not, like, but they're the not going. The top fighters are in Bangkok. And at, at like yeah. Rajadam. Yeah. 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 Here, Bangla is kind of it's more like Muay Thai tourism. Here's like, more like the casual Thai fighters who, yeah. Like they're if you watch, they're not throwing elbows. Like and, and some of those, like you can tell when like those guys, they're having beers after. Like he got paid, he got paid. But they're that's out. great, though. Oh, it's great. Yeah, yeah I, that's what I love about the Muay Thai culture is like Muay Thai culture in Thailand is not about like smashing the other person. Like uh, usually everyone is a friend and is like a sport. And to like uh, oftentimes if you talk to Thai fighters, they're like if you're trying to smash, that's ugly. Like. Mm. You know, we didn't come here to see you go all aggro. Like, we yeah. came here to see beautiful Muay Thai, to see you be, like, dominate your opponent through, like, superior style and technique. Not, like, some ugly fighting. Yeah, where you're trying to actually injure them. or you Yeah, know, but actually, yeah. It's, it, it's, it's an art form, in a way. Do you see yourself leveling up over the years where maybe you'll go, you know, to the bigger stadiums, the bigger fights? Or are you yeah. just happy what you're doing? Yeah, no. Um, every time you fight, you get better. And I, I know, like, the fastest way to level up is to just fight constantly. Um, because I have other things going on in my life also, it's um, sometimes, I, you know, I put Muay Thai to the side and I focus on other things. But, yeah, in the long term, I I do love I, – I love to continue fighting and continue leveling up. And it's just for my own personal development. And as a female fighter, I mean, for males, it's I, I'm assuming it's still a bit different. Okay. But I mean, as the female fighter, like, what does your family think? I, I j okay, mm -hmm. if I personally had a, a, a boy and a daughter, if my daughter, w I would think differently. It's just, it's probably how I'm wired. But when yeah. you're, your family's seeing you in the ring and fighting and there's potential something could go wrong, do they have those conversations before, after? Like, what's that, that conversation you're having with them? It's, um, I think... Part of growing up is stopping stopping to seek approval of my family. Um, at the beginning, I you know when I dropped out of university, when I started doing uh, like experimenting, doing different things, um, I felt really bad about like how my family you know like everyone's going to judge. These days, I'm not even really seeking approval mm. from family. I, it it. Um, it doesn't matter anymore. And the thing is, you know the value that, you know why you do it. Like, I do it because it bring, gives me self-discipline. I know it makes me, like, a better person. And my I know my intentions for doing it. And so I don't need anyone else's. You know, if they are disapproving of it, they're projecting their impressions of it on onto me, which is okay, and I don't need to correct them. But I know why I'm doing it, and I'm doing it it for myself for healthy reasons mm -hmm. so um if someone's projecting what they think onto it 
sometimes you can correct them if they're in the mindset to listen but if they're not in the mindset to listen it's okay like it's this is for me and i know it's like uh, it, this is making me healthier yeah it can be d- when people if they have a stubborn mindset and you're trying then to it's explain okay. yeah. it's like beating a dead horse there's nothing uh, i don't nothing need to more. yeah uh, these days i don't need to convince anyone that what i'm doing is correct because it's like we all have our own lives and at the end of the day I've, we all like nobody's thinking about you just live your life you know yeah. <laughs> it's it's I'm designing the life the way I want to live it. And it's very unorthodox to many people, but no one else is going to live my life. No one else cares. They're thinking about their own life. So I I love what I'm creating. And yeah, it's very unorthodox. All my work is done on my phone now. I don't do work from my laptop. And that's something that I've intentionally designed. I always have, sometimes I use this question for the guests and it's, it's maybe something in 10 years or 15 years, but let's just call it 10 years. You're very intentional. Yeah, I'm sure you have a 10-year, 15, 30-year plan. How are we on time? Did we hit an hour? I'm sure we did. About one hour because we had to stop because we're of Okay, that's good. I just don't want to go too far. We're trying to keep it between 45 to an hour and 10. Getting to a good question, though. <laughs> yeah, see? You see how I've, that, I've, inten- I've also intentionally done that. Um, okay, so... We'll, we'll, we'll end it on this question and maybe one more. Let's see. But um, let's keep it at 10 years. And this could be an interesting YouTube video if you still remember in 10 years la- later. And let's say this is your, which one's her camera? Which one do we want to give her? Uh, this one or this? Her. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's say that. One. Okay. We're going to, we're going to shoot it to that camera and I'll, I will put a timestamp. So it's very easy to follow later. Oh no. Um, uh, oh, I don't. But what? Yeah. What? Don't worry. It's, it's simple. <laughs> it, it, for, for yourself in 10 years leave yourself a message for the future what would you say oh that was what you were gonna ask i thought yeah, you were gonna yeah. ask me my 10-year plan wait no, oh wait no, wait no, wait. no, no, no. wait leave so a take, message take, for myself yeah you can come back you're you're, you're 20 future. you said you're 23 24 i'm 26 26 yeah. okay oh, uh, hey yeah. I'm, uh, <laughs> 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 okay so boom you're 36 you hit my age and Maybe you come back and see this and you can, you can, you can talk to the camera and what would you say, whatever you want to say, whether it's advice, this is up to you. This is personal to you. What, what message would you leave your future self? Future self. Um, let's see. Well, I hope that you're as happy as you ever are and that you have achieved all of your dreams, but most importantly that you are very happy because that, that, that is the end goal. Having like struggled for years and years with depression, I, my ultimate goal is to, is not even just physical, like there are like material accomplishments, but above everything is like that, that feeling of, of peace and happiness that mm. comes, yeah, from good, healthy mental. So happiness is your North Star. I wish you happiness. Yeah, yeah I hope you're very, very, very happy. Because that's that that's the ultimate end goal, and then all the other goals come below that. Well, yeah. we can see if, if we're if this podcast is still sticking around in ten years, and uh, you come back on, we we can ask. I <laughs> love you. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, okay, r- right before we wrap it up, um, this is more like a message from yourself. Don't worry, not to the camera again in that sense. But it's more any type of female fighters that are just getting into any type any martial art, but maybe specifically Muay Thai, and they're looking to come over to Thailand. Um, as we all know that have traveled abroad, we've made a lot of mistakes on what we should have done, and nothing major. Is there mm-hmm. any advice that you could pass on to people, maybe your younger self? Now you're mm-hmm. talking to your younger self. Ooh, no, joke. Yeah. But some advice <laughs> you can pass on, especially if they're trying to transition to a new country mm-hmm. and maybe take on this type of project. Mm. Uh, I I think take on this type of project Find, finding yeah. themselves leaving home escaping you know that 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 uh safety net that comfort i mean moving abroad is not such an easy task yeah i think what i uh, an big insight that i had over the past couple of years is that relationships are so so important um it's um yeah taking the time to really invest in friendships and people that you really connect with um my best memories are through yeah like genuine relationships and friendships that i uh that i've i've had and um yeah i think that is like one of my biggest insights because the first the first year um i didn't invest too much in relationship in friendships and i fell into a relationship 
a romantic relationship right away. And I kind of, uh, it was my first long-term relationship. And so I isolated myself from the rest of the world. So then when um, I had a difficult time, I had no one to, to reach out to because I had only invested in one relationship and that one fell apart. And so I think that was one of the big le- biggest learning lessons from when I was 20 was to, if you look around and there's no friends around, it's your own fault because you did not invest time into like, you know, building these relationships with these, you know, awesome people. Uh, so I think, yeah, especially when traveling, it's um, taking the time to invest in relationships. And when I say invest, it's like really taking interest in other people's lives and enjoying being present with them, you know, going out and having, creating memories with lots of different people. And um, yeah, like, and valuing and enjoying your time with people because it's it's all about people whenever you're traveling. Yeah, I mean, it's a melting pot over here. There's people from all over the world, different backgrounds, different backgrounds in, in business personally and whatnot. But I mean, like they say, you're, 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 your net worth is your network. And, and in enjoying time by yourself too. Mm. Not like just being like, I can't be alone. all the time. Like I have to be around someone. Also really, because traveling is, yes, it's all about people and it's all about being alone simultaneously. Yeah, well you need at to. At the same time, you being need able to, preserve, to be alone with yourself. You got to preserve your energy as well. I mean, you can't, if you are traveling, I, I mean, I've, every time I backpack, I don't know, I'm a bit of a princess. I can't stay. I cannot stay. <laughs> I can't stay. I've never stayed in a hostel. I just can't imagine sleeping in the same room as people I don't know. That's just uh-huh. me. But um, but it's good to get involved and meet these people and be open when you travel and not so closed off as well. Yeah, it's having the balance of being like, you're going to be alone a lot of time and then being comfortable and you're with yourself. And yeah, and actually it's oftentimes like the best insights happen when you're alone by yourself. And that is equally just as valuable, having that alone time and then having that time mm-hmm. with relationship. And yeah, and I think, yeah, that was my biggest insights from traveling is just like, don't burn bridges. No matter what, it's so valuable, like human to human relationships, creating trauma between people. From my own personal experience of having like had drama, it's not worth it. It's, yeah, whenever I, f- these days, like my conclusion is like, whenever I have an issue with someone, like, this is something that I, it's me projecting so a problem onto that person. And first, I need to resolve that within myself. And then, like, maybe you can take action to set a boundary or something. Yeah, I mean, if, when you're dealing with people in relationships, if they burn you, I don't believe in revenge. I'm like, you're going to go, you're not, not going to have to answer to me. You got to go answer your karma to someone else. Mm-hmm. It all comes back. Mm-hmm. And every mm-hmm. time you just let it go, and people will say, well, they, they, they're trying to maybe start something and they expect something to come that's going to live in them and I, I you just okay it's i say don't sweat the small things that's kind of what i my mentality i live by all right we are going to wrap it up there Very on those well. wise insightful words by me yeah sure um <laughs> <laughs> that was a team effort of tons of wisdom tons of wisdom um we're going to shoot it back to your this camera here so I feel like that show hot. I always say hot ones. This camera. That, okay. Uh, this camera here. You can stare right into the depths of the souls of your audience and just let them know where they can find you. Right now, just on Instagram on fight nomad Julia on Instagram. Hopefully in the future YouTube, mm. but yeah. Okay. Maybe this is the, the birth of the YouTube channel. Maybe you had I to come so. here to birth your in your YouTube channel out of this podcast. No, I'm not going to be <laughs> self-centered. All right. Thanks a lot for listening. That ends another episode of the Fruiting Body Podcast. Mushrooms coming out soon. Buy them all. We're out. <laughs>